So we're looking at the parables of Jesus, and we know how amazingly clever he was because he would tell a story that seemed very innocuous and very topical and something that all his listeners would totally understand and buy into and listen to, and yet underneath every single parable was a deeper meaning. And it just fascinates me that 2,000 years later, these parables still have the same incredible meaning, and we're able to pick this up and understand it. So today, I'm looking at the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. And I was a girl guide, and our motto was, be prepared. And this is a lesson we must learn from the parable of Jesus that he told of the wise and the foolish virgins. Because there he teaches the necessity of being prepared for his return. Not just being prepared, being prepared for his return. He compares his second coming to a joyful wedding procession in which the unprepared cannot take part. We can read this parable in Matthew chapter 25 and the verses 1 to 13. And this story, this idea of a wedding procession of, of the, the brides, the virgins, the, the grooms, this would have been very familiar to Jesus' audience as this was the common practice at that time when a wedding took place. So they're just thinking, they're hearing the story of a wedding and they can totally buy into it. But, but, so... In Jesus' time, let's just back up a little bit with this wedding idea. First, there would have been the betrothal, where the contracts would have been signed by the parents of the bride and the groom, and the bridegroom would pay a dowry to the bride and her parents. And ladies, doesn't that sound like a good idea? And this still happens um, in the African culture today, where the groom has to pay la bola, or a monetary equivalent, um, Labola would normally be paid in cattle, but now a monetary equivalent um, to the bride's parents. And um, do you remember Mucha and Laz? Well, when they got married, Laz had to pay a considerable amount to Mucha's family um, when he married her. And she was very expensive because she was so beautiful, she was so talented, she was so well-educated, she had a good job, and she was of noble character. I think, actually, he's still paying it off. If you think about it today, we are the bride of Christ. The dowry has been paid by Jesus, our bridegroom, who gave his life for us. I don't think anyone's ever paid that kind of a dowry before. Like the bride and the bridegroom in Jesus' time, we are now betrothed or engaged to Christ. And like the wise virgins in the parable, we too await his second coming. Can you see the parallels in the story? So I think I missed the first verse of Matthew. So I'm just going to go to there. So verse 1, this is where we start. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps 
and went to meet the bridegroom. So this is where we start. Very familiar scene for all the people listening. And then we go on from verses 2 to 6. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. The wisdom of the five virgins that were wise, this consisted in their taking a supply of oil in vessels, in addition to the oil already in their lamps. That way, they are prepared for the unexpected delay of the bridegroom. This points to the delay of the parousia. It's a lovely Greek word. It means the coming or arrival of the presence of Jesus. In Jesus' time, the next phase of the wedding preparation was when the bridegroom, accompanied by his friends, went to the house of the bride at midnight, creating a torchlight parade through the streets. Such a parade would not be a surprise to the bride, but she didn't know the exact day. So she and her maidens always had to be prepared and ready. So now the cry's gone out. The bridegroom's come. And so verse 7 says, Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The bride and her maidens would then joyfully join in the parade and end up at the bridegroom's house where he'd been building a home for the bride. Um, does that remind you of the scripture in John 14 too, where Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So can we see all the parallels in the story? And this is a picture of when Christ comes to claim his bride, the church, and take her, that's us, to his father's house. This is a picture of the second coming of Christ. The story goes on in Matthew 8 to 12 verses. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. What a stark warning. Are we ready? Do we really know Jesus? Or are we comfortable Christians who think because we sometimes go to church, 
we're ready for heaven. What kind of a bride would we be if that was the only time we spent with our future bridegroom? And the rest of the time, we just went about living for ourselves with little inclination to live the life he died to give us. Just think about that. How committed are we really? Are we like those wise virgins, waiting, even though it seems delayed, but ready? Is Jesus first in our lives, or is he a tag-on when we think about it or we want something? No marriage would last with that kind of interaction, would it? The message is too late. Too late. They were banging on the door, let me in, let me in. He said, I don't know you. Let's not be like the foolish virgins. Let's be ready. And the parable ends in verse 13. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the critical verse to remember when we're considering the second coming. The point of the parable is found here in view of what may seem like the delay of the second coming. We must be prepared and watch since we do not know the day or the hour. I just love the way the story of a bridal procession and wise and foolish virgins be so familiar to the people in Jesus' time, and yet those that were prepared could follow the groom, and then the door was shut. I do not want to be at the end of that procession, not ready, and find the door shut, and the Lord saying, I do not know you, because I haven't spent time knowing him. I haven't spent time in prayer. I haven't spent time in his presence. I'm not living for him. He's not my all in all. Are we ready? Watch and be prepared. And I've put some scriptures in um, the questions because I think there's a lot of debate around some people who seem to think they know when Jesus is coming back. And I think through the ages, we've had people declaring he's coming now. And funnily enough, he hasn't. And people are still deciding that they know when he's coming back. Please don't fall into that rubbish. Matthew 25, 13, and elsewhere in the scriptures says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. That's why we have to be prepared. That's why we have to be ready. That's why we have to be watching. Don't listen to anybody that tells you they know when Jesus is coming back. Rubbish. So here are our discussion questions. What stood out for you in this very short talk and passage? 
And number two, what is the most important thing you need to do to be prepared? I know I'm not absolutely there. I'm not prepared every minute of every day and every night. The adjustments I need to make in my life. What's the one most important thing perhaps you need to do to adjust, to be prepared? And then the third question, what do you understand about the second coming? And these passages may help you. So I've given you 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 1 to 11, and then 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 5 to 10. So it's always a good idea to have a Bible with you when you come to church, and many of you will have it on your phone if you don't have it. And if there's any table that doesn't have anything, just let me know and we'll, we'll get you something. So those are the three questions, and then we'll have some ministry time after that. Is that okay? So those of you that are on the live stream, could you now um, click off and join the Zoom link so that you can go through those discussion questions with the people on the screen. And the rest of us can get into groups and chat through. Thank you.